Okay, that's enough of that. Um, welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. Not powered by intention this week, are we? No, we're, we're powered I... by a little something else. Something I'm not entirely sure what. <laughs> I think we're powered by treason this week, whatever that is. <laughs> but this is going to be a very obscure one because we do try on this podcast not to bring you the same old crap that you would hear everywhere else. So, with that in mind, we have taken something super obscure, which is a, I wouldn't say it's a TV show, because it never made it to television, did it? But <laughs> no, you can buy but it's it a, on Amazon. It's a soap opera. It's a soap opera, that's <laughs> it. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. We're also not going to explain the uh, a synopsis of what the storyline is, because we don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah, you're going to have to go watch it. We're just going to say... We're just going to say, if you imagine the 90s TV show Charmed, and they made a 90s porn version of that, and then halved the budget, <laughs> it would be something like it With all those so season one filters. Good. Yeah, I mean, season one is only two, two episodes, but at least they go up to five episodes in season two, you know, and then there's a season three as well. This was somewhat popular yeah. um, at the time, and I learned a lot from it, not magically speaking, but I learned a lot of other stuff from it. Um, you may, if you are in the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Facebook group, you may be able to have a little look underneath the graphic for this week's podcast and see the trailer if you dare to click on the trailer <laughs> but anyway i think you probably need to specify about... that it's not actually porn <laughs> well i don't know it's I it's mean, soft porn at no best real... you're not there, gonna actually no see anything there's no real definition of porn it is one of those things that people say i know what it is when i see it now watch the trailer because in the trailer I don't think you've quite watched the trailer that I intend to put on. <laughs> but the trailer that I intend to put on that is on YouTube is somewhat graphic. Yeah. Um, but before, you know, before we get too far into it, it's basically in this, they didn't really use the term magic, they use the term treason. Treason's like this, some, some sort of, like, religion that yeah. predates the Wicca, I believe, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's got, it's got, <laughs> it's got a feeling of the, uh, you know, uh, PKTWs though doesn't it really it does have a bit of a post Keldon feel about it well I don't know I, I don't think that <laughs> post Keldons can trap people in mirrors and you know <laughs> feed upon their energy I don't think there's there's an awful lot of that I think that there is a certain um, men versus women kind of uh, duality somewhat. situation going on yeah, particularly, it's, there's a Dianic thing going on, yeah. I think, there. Um, but we'll go into that. So the first thing I wanted to start on is the fact that a lot of one of the main characters, who is a witch, female witch, she finds a book. She seems to have a natural ability because she can see things and then she paints, so she's an yeah, artist. So but she finds this book... And it's mostly empty, so there's not a lot in the book apart from, you know, a strange language. And then she can make sense of the first page or so. Yeah. 
Um, do you want to talk about that, Chris? Well, she's kind of like she gets these kind of prophetic dreams, doesn't she? And she she's painting the history of one of the other witches. So she's kind of tapping into the the stuff that had gone on in the house, hadn't she, historically? Um, and then obviously one of the witches gets really upset because she's like, you painted my history. You had no right. That kind of stuff. Yeah, well, they, do, they don't know she's a witch at the start because basically it's a group of, I wouldn't say they're teenagers, but they're 20 something. Yeah, they're like they? reps, aren't they? They're living in a, yeah, kind they're of holiday all living reps. in this, <laughs> kind of, they're low all living budget. in this, this, ho, this low budget hotel Dante that used to be, a, a, I think, a private estate for yeah. a, a fairly wealthy family in this beached cove. It's kind of... Um, One of these plantation was houses, was wasn't it? it? It's like a plantation kind yeah, of house. something like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. They, it's all, it's got that kind of Baywatch vibe. It does. It does. <laughs> They're always running on the beach. They're always running the beach with hardly any clothes on. Yeah. Um, the ladies and and the boys. Yeah. Um, and they're always covered in oil as well. Yes, they're always. <laughs> But anyway, going back to the book, because yeah. there's something very important here. What's cool about the book so, is, obviously, that it's it's a teaching aid in the true sense of one, isn't it? Where she she can't even... She can, the more she learns, the more it tells her. Like, it'll literally give her, like, the snip bits. And then she, fizz, like, she can see the pages. She can see the stuff on the pages, can't she? But she can't read yeah. the words. And then kind of... It's all in, like, hieroglyphics. Yeah, and then as she unlocks stuff, it converts to English, so she can actually read the next bit and the next bit. And it's, it's kind of exercise-based. So whereas we know a lot of people that are possibly even listening to this podcast will buy a witchcraft book with lots of exercise and lots of rituals and things like that in it, flick through it, go to the advanced section if there's such a thing in the book, <laughs> And go through it. Yeah. Now they don't really do anything within the book. They're theory, theoretical magicians, so they just memorize bits and pieces and don't actually do anything. This is what's great about this book is you have to do the first thing, and then it gives you something else to do, and each thing teaches you yeah. something, and you have to have mastered that to be able. It's the building box you, that you need to go on to the next thing. So until you get to the end of the book, you're becoming a more powerful and powerful practitioner, um, which is a shame we don't have books like that. I mean, wouldn't it be brilliant if that was the case that your little Kindle knew that you'd done the exercise <laughs> <laughs> before it unlocks And then the releases bit. the next bit. Yeah. Um, now, that's not the only way of learning, because rather than covens, they kind of have this uh, this almost like Star Wars Sith. Yeah, it's very Sith, isn't it? Master and Apprentice. So there's a uh, what would you probably call an adept, which they use the term um, asp, uh, not aspirant. Um, avatar. 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 So um, a master witch is an avatar of treason. So the treason is the energy current the magical current that they all tap into. So a master witch would be an adept person when it comes to trees and magic. An aspirant is essentially their apprentice. And they've got this kind of weird relationship, don't they? Yeah, it's 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 proper Sith. It is very kind of like um master servant kind of situation, isn't it? They are they are their attendant. Kind of in, in a in a very kind of um 
dianic kind of way in that kind of supporting cupbearer situation isn't it where they're they're there to assist whatever the the needs are basically slaves yeah they have to do whatever they're told yeah um for a little bit of morsel of information and they're kept dumb but useful yeah essentially a lot of the time from from what it seems um so the main characters within this, you've got the old characters, you've got the younger characters. The old characters, basically, there's a bit of a drama situation. The the witch calls, catches her ex cheating on her and decides to imprison him in the uh, sub-basement, I think it is, yeah. of the hotel. And then the uh, the young kids... The young people that are living in the place end up uncovering him. She seems to have just left him there to rot for 150 odd years, kind of yeah. forgot about it. And then when they unlock him, he basically is free from his chains. And, and obviously she doesn't realise for a while, so she is done all sorts of she doesn't rubbish realize. by then. Yeah. Um, but obviously one of the young girls that is that one of the people that live in the hotel this main character, this witch, who comes from a line of female witches, yeah. which is quite interesting because you don't find that out until later, but her, they have a strange kind of, um, what you said was like Prey a mantis. Yeah, once yeah. once you've had the man's seed, he's no longer, he's no longer viable and therefore they absorb him. So they kill, they kill him and absorb him. Yes, so they, uh, like her mother, for example, was expected to find a magician, a magical practitioner that was a man, consummate with him, have a daughter. Yeah. When the daughter comes, she then kills him, and then the power supposedly flows from the father after he dies into the To power the child, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically how they increase their power through generations. Yeah. Um, it's not the only methods that are discussed in the series, but what are your thoughts on that, on the absorption of your parents' magical powers and aptitudes? Because there's a lot within witchcraft circles where blood and your heritage and stuff like that ancestral stuff. Yeah, that kind of thing. Because we don't really utilise that, do we? But it is a big deal... For a lot of people. Yeah, well, well, not even necessarily ancestral, though, is it? Like, magical lineage has slowly become yeah. a more and more thing in this kind of trad witch um, kind of... So who initiated Who you? initiated you, as opposed to what bloodline you're of. You know, can you trace your your heritage back to Gardner? That sort of initiation-y kind of thing of, of whether or not your particular... Of whoever your kind of patriarch or matriarch of the tradition can you trace them back to somebody who sort you know was taught by somebody who was taught A by big name. the original big names yeah and kind of like which kind of branch that you've formed off from that i suppose the same is kind of well there there was also actually what is quite relevant now i think is you've got particularly because this whole Norse thing is becoming quite popular, yeah. isn't it? And there's a very strange group of what you would probably say racist oh, okay. people that say, well, if you don't have Scandinavian ancestry, then you have no business learning the runes type. 
yeah. type thing, you know. Yeah. There's some groups like that that are all right there nowadays. And to a certain extent, um, in a less racy kind of way, but there is there is that within the kind of Native American traditions. You need to be of the earth. Yes. They're kind of earth-based um, shamanist traditions, and therefore they feel like there should be that lineage connection, um, which you don't get in a lot of Western traditions, do you? I guess. So what is treason exactly? Because it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's referred to as a religion, but they don't ever really say magic. They always say treason. Yeah. And they evoke the powers of treason as well. So is treason some sort of god, goddess energy? What, what, what would you say it is? Well, it doesn't, it, although kind of, like I said, like you said, it's kind of dianic in its behaviour. There's no kind of worship involved, is there? Other than the kind of embodiment arrangement that seems to happen with the avatar seems to be the one to be worshipped to be submitted it's kind to of like the force the force yeah in Star Wars. It's, it's very much kind of like that it, but more so from the sith kind of version of you know you yeah so it's kind of a force that's there that um they can manipulate it's yeah it's kind of star warsy the force isn't it but more so from the kind of sith that I'm more powerful because I am served and then obviously absorb you know killing off and absorbing the next one and absorbing the next one um but it's the Wait, purity it's the purity that throws me yeah. off this whole kind of you know um have a, a daughter who will then be the high priestess eventually and that kind of well it, it does it does kind of stick because you see this in some uh, particularly not so much in traditional witchcraft, but you certainly see it in some Wiccan covens where they have the man versus woman. We were part of a Christian patriarchy, so now we're going to rebel and make a matriarchy sort of thing. Yeah. That is actually, that is a big theme in this because, of course, the family that is kind of centred around is a female line, but there is also a male line that they tried to kill off. Yeah, you've got the the moon book that they that the female witches have, but then there's a sun book as well yeah. that the male witches are supposed to have that none of the female ones can read. Yeah, it's like and there's yeah there's this is all quite strange. But then there's almost a feeling of, and I don't think it actually happens, but there is a feeling of that they supposed to supposedly complete each other. There is that kind of slight well, yin do. yang feel. Don't they stick? Do they have to stick them together at some point? Or did yeah, I imagine so basically, that? Basically, there's a big foul at the end near series three, and none of the individual practitioners are powerful enough. So the males and the females that all kind of go down these different forms of treason, I suppose, different energy currents, they all have to collaborate together. And there's this kind of scene where they accidentally. Um, drop the books on top of each other and they yeah. combine into a mega book that's even more powerful so it's the combination of the sun and the moon and that was how it was supposed to be practiced all along yeah but they've been it's just split at some point it was co-opted yeah and then some kind of witch war occurred in order to separate the two the two sides because obviously you've got the point of the the specific female line of witches they kill the father and then absorb the power but then you've also got other witches or other treason 
uh, practitioners and that about they've even got a treason council which isn't really talked much about but an envoy no. comes yeah. from the treason council to because there's too much in, strange things going on in Dante's cove so yeah. they come to kind of investigate and that seems to have a different uh, system in itself as well yeah they seem to be autonomous to a degree mm. don't they it's kind of like almost like they've crossed a line so big bad's going to come and tidy things back up again and then they'll be left alone again to carry on um but the weird thing was that being able to strip their power that was a bit odd because you don't they don't talk about a collective power do they like you you see it between the avatar and the uh the aspirant shared power but you don't actually see it as a collective so how they're able to yeah. deny them access to the collective isn't explained and well I, from it's not explained but going by from what i've seen um of the having watched it and it was like i said quite an education watching it <laughs> <laughs> um you've got you've got the fact that i think it's almost like when the um, the baby absorbs the power as like a huge big battery, because they're always talking about batteries, aren't they? Yeah. And whereas with the Treason Council and the Envoy, he tends to feed on others. They use a lot of sex magic, yeah. this, which we can talk about a little bit. Might have to wait for the page. <laughs> After the watershed. <laughs> After the watershed, but still. That's basically what happens. He continues to recharge himself. Yeah on various different people in his personal choices to go through sex magic yeah because let's be fair this is basically porn this series so you know <laughs> of the, <laughs> it just gives of the, the writers a lot of excuses of the soft variety well you do see some floppy soft things yeah on but, several but you're allowed to in the soft variety <laughs> um but yeah it's i don't know it's just <laughs> it's just of the it's the yeah, like, um, they have this kind of weird marriage relationship, don't they? Like, this aspirant mm. avatar thing is that it's a closed loop. And that's what he tries to introduce, isn't it, when this avatar guy arrives and said, you haven't tried yeah. all the other flavours. Um, yeah. Basically, is what it's essentially saying is, you know, why are you just feeding off each other? because surely that keeps you both weak because there's a limit to how much power you can get between the two of you. Um, which was interesting because actually they didn't need multiple people to form any kind of coven, mm. but they did need, uh, you know, they, they were reliant on absorbing the kind of, you know, essence of people. It was all, it was all very, very bizarre. But like I said, like the, there was that kind of relate, like physical relationship as a big part of it. Again, going back to the great right, the Dianics. Oh, yeah. You kind of can, you can kind of get where they've pulled certain bits of the, um, the mythology from. You can kind of get. Um, and then obviously there's also, you know, when you get to the star flower saint stuff. Um, there's very much a classical feel to that too, you know, kind of Oedipus and the Lotus Eaters uh, yeah. kind of situation. So with the aspirants, because obviously you have to kind of make a declaration that you 
uh, offer yourself up as aspirant and as a servant to the adept, the magical practitioner. Yeah. And then there's like a token. In yeah, there. they've got so like a token. Of, yeah. So, so they basically get given an object which almost connect, binds them. Yeah, it is connects the two, isn't it? Like, I don't think the, I don't think the uh, avatar has to wear one. But I'm, if I remember rightly, like the guys, it's like a shackle bracelet kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and then with the girls, it's more like a this dainty, very pretty necklace. Um, yeah. But there is that kind of so binding. Where is it? Yeah, as an as an owner, <laughs> like a dog tag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a dog collar, um, to kind of mark a them. One. A very pretty one, but uh, like really does mark them. Um. What's cool is when that starts to go the other way, though, isn't it? When kind of like uh, the aspirant kind of tries to turn on him, um, and they, he that connection works both ways, and they'd clearly never thought of that before. Like it was almost like a well, the, he, that person, that adept's learning a different way of feeding and interacting with the energy, and their apprentice essentially, who doesn't actually like them. Yeah. is trying to escape and break that contract. We can talk all about contracts because we have a lot of clients <laughs> <laughs> with this sort of problem, actually. It's just instead of an actual person, they're trying to break the link with. It's normally a spirit, isn't it? Um, but there we go. Um, but yeah, it's quite interesting because he notices how the interaction is and then he kind of reverses it and it yeah. weakens. so it is a lot of feeding upon people's energy vampirism essentially yeah it's it's really is vampirism and in a in a in the sexiest of ways i want to kind of say it's very a 50 shades vampirism isn't it mm. yeah whereas the trees and kanks or you know there's clearly ethics and stuff like that now why isn't there a witch's council in real life because they did try to make one, I think, over in America at one point, but it really didn't end up very well, did it? No. So why is there no structure to actual magical practice in the real world? Well, I would argue I would argue it's because practice is so different. Like, apart from individual traditions, you could probably have a council at the top of a, a particular tradition, um, but then... Even even that doesn't really work if you go and look at something like the Cochrane tradition, which every coven is technically practicing something completely different. They've just got the same source material. So you kind of like, you know, so I, I, th I think part of it is there's no uniformity to practice, um, which is strange in some ways, because I guess there are universal rules, um, if you want to call them that. But it's strange that it's never, but I think anything like that always starts, it gets too political too quickly, doesn't it? Where certain people think that the whole idea is so that we all um, sing from the same song sheet, like we're some kind of Catholic church. Whereas it doesn't actually work that way in practice, does it? It's so different that the only hierarchical yeah. arrangement you can really have is within a coven if you choose to be part of one. Like, you know, most people I know are, so are solitaries, um, you know. Well, I've always said it's about power. The person with the most amount of power sets the rules. Yeah. And with the treason council in Dante's Cove, it's basically they see a balance. They see themselves as um, maintainers of the balance. Yeah. And they'll do anything. And they do have a lot of power compared to the 
so say standard which is standard adapts they've they literally at one point banged one of them and, and took away their magical yeah their complete ability to practice any form of magic now how would you go about doing that in the real world because <laughs> you know i was gonna ask you that oh, at some point. i was hoping you weren't gonna ask me actually i thought I'd, we'd ramble enough that you'd you'd forget um so yeah so you get it in other shows too like it's in the craft do you remember when they yeah you know bind you nancy from doing harm uh, that one well that one didn't work did it but the the other girls got banged i mm. think they lost their powers but she she um she basically did it didn't she yeah so it's one it's one of those oh, i don't i don't know there's a common theme i think with these sort of tv shows yeah it's like you either are because they have that again in star wars with the whole force severance thing so it's yeah. the case of you either have the power inside you and it gets drained or you're connecting to a greater energy and that connection is severed obviously the problem with doing it in reality or real life you know is that most people would try to sever the connections and that would end up killing the person yeah essentially <laughs> so in terms of how you would stop a magical practitioner being able to do magic when this has come up in terms of actual bindings, it depends on whether they're an adept practitioner or whether it's a beginner witch. Because a lot yeah. of the time I see this sort of control mechanisms being put through poor information and, um, you know, that kind of thing, distractions to a certain extent with beginners yeah um not teaching them the appropriate ways of doing something means that you have a lot of control over them but in terms of taking a, a witch and, and binding them so they couldn't do any magic whatsoever not just have an effect on you but no magic whatsoever very interesting <laughs> it would interesting concept it's an interesting concept because yeah you would essentially yeah you've either got to create some kind of dampening field haven't you that allow uh, that makes it extremely difficult for them to ra raise enough energy to do anything or you've got to sever their connection to magic in general which is such a complex <laughs> network or tapestry of connections that how you would sever all of those would be tricky i think it would probably be easier if you had a practitioner of a particular method that yeah. only knows that method yeah then then potentially you've got ways of cutting off their access to supply if that makes sense so if you've got someone that is Which, to be honest so predominantly most, most people do yeah. if, if someone is predominantly into i don't know sea witchery and only pulls their energy mm. directly from one current you cut them off to access to that current They've either got to adapt and use a different current, which may for someone that's been practicing, say, 30 odd years in the same field, um, then has to kind of relearn magic. Um, whereas you've then got somebody, well, yeah. you know, what we would what we would call a professional witch that doesn't dip in just one uh, one, but all pools in order to support well, other nowadays witches. Nowadays they're called... Um... What is it where we get called a super, super witch? Super witches. Because we actually do witchcraft. Yeah. 
So whereas something like that, where they've got multiple fields that they pull from, or if they, you know, use multiple systems, I think that's the trickier one, isn't it? Is people that use multiple systems of magic. Um, yeah. You have then got to cut them off from essentially the universe, which, like you said, would probably snuff them out um, because it, you wouldn't be able to gain sustenance. So th you think of some of the mechanisms that are involved in actually providing you, how your body absorbs energy in just to eat and power your body. If you're cutting yourself, cutting someone off from all, how are they supposed to eat? How are they supposed to breathe? Like, you know what I mean? Like, surely that would just snuff them out. Well, they do sell silly little um, binding kits and stuff like that, but they're not really designed to bind a magical practitioner and stop them from practicing magic they're normally blocking influence bind them from yeah blocking the their influence over you or a given situation now we can go into specific cases that we might have worked on in the past but we are literally coming to the end of the regular podcast so if you do stick with us on the patreon we will talk a little bit more about that we'll also talk about spirit possession getting out of control trapping people in mirrors cursing your ex all of that sort of thing so if you're not on the Thoth witchcraft patreon then i really do suggest it because it's, it's, it's bloody brilliant i mean i'm not i don't want to blow me a trumpet <laughs> Although, if I could, I'd give it a go. <laughs> Those, the tangents we managed to get to um, do do some interesting stuff on the other side of the uh, payment line, shall we say. I suppose we should also talk about drugs and stuff, because that features heavily in Dante's Cove. Oh, yeah, Riding the well. Hedge. Riding the Hedge, or Saint, or uh, what is it? Starflower. Starflower. But there we go. Right, so we are now on the Patreon. So, where are we going to go into more detail? What do you want to What do you want to tackle first? Ooh. Do you want to talk about severing the connection? Because I know that um, if you had psychics, for example, that are reliant on working with a specific spirit, that's simple because you just sever the connection with the spirit. You yeah. keep that spirit removed from the person. They can't do anything. Yeah, you remove the access to the angelics or you remove the, you know, if you've got someone that practices ceremonial magic and only works with goetic spirits, works the same kind of way. If you suddenly pull that carpet from underneath them, uh, that gives access to that particular type of communication. That's, you know, a fairly simple way of severing a connection. But like you say, you, all you've got to do is then retrain. So it really depends on how how easy it is for that person, I guess, to then retrain to another field. Um, well, that's a huge it psychological effect we've we've seen instances whereby that rug's been taken out from underneath them and they don't know if they have the ability or if they've lost the ability or anything like that so it's certainly possible um i can't think of any occasions where i've purposefully done it to someone else but i can no. think of occasions when i've helped someone overcome a, a connection issue happening to them 
but most of the time they've done it to themselves. It's not really been someone, maybe sometimes something, but generally not another magical practitioner that tends to do it. Yeah, and like you um, say, and I imagine... I think there's a good thing, because they learn... They learn oh, another... yeah, they learn a new method. But I think where, where it's more likely to happen and it isn't actually a binding or a severance is, like you say said before, with the teaching badly, so on purpose. So, you know, not allowing um, an aspirant to actually fully understand how something's worked so that they can't progress beyond um beyond the the adept the you know the adept or the three steps ahead of censoring information yeah censoring info censoring information and gatekeeping there's a difference between saying i can't explain this to you because you don't understand and i'm doing my best to explain it but we'll and get there also, eventually. <laughs> but we'll get there. And oh, if I say this and make up a rule of three or something like that, then that means they're going to be too scared to ever work against me. Yeah. And that's programming, you know, things like that into people's minds. I mean, a lot of the time, what stops the person is the paradigm they're in and how they view the world. If they don't think something's possible, something has to literally force them. Yeah out of their paradigm and that's a very very painful process and even then it's not even as simple as saying to someone look you know you see these paranormal investigators and that look i'll show you how to do an evocation and summon a spirit in front of you so you can see it and talk to it there are instances where you can do that to someone the person sees it and talks to it but they're so scared yeah because they've had that paradigm shift that they run back and now don't want to <laughs> don't want to explore that particular end because it's it's so far out of what they were prepared to do that you've then yeah you've it's too big a paradigm shift for them to comprehend it for long enough so but yeah we we don't we don't censor information at all do no we've we've been accused of it once or twice haven't we when we've not given an answer um in a well, I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're talking about the Egyptian thing, yeah, um, then that was the case of I can only explain so much now. I've explained it. You need to go away and think about that and explore what I've taught you and explained, and then come back yeah, to me. Yeah, come it's back and answer. I'm it wasn't refusing. Yeah, it's a case of you need to absorb this and then come back to me having been to that place, having done that thing, having understood yeah. it, and then we'll take the next step. And that's normally down to a poor student situation, isn't it? Where a student just goes, teach me everything you know. And you're like, okay, we don't have that long um, to get you all, you know, get you to a comfortable point in everything we've well, ever done. Well, they don't have that long. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so whereas, whereas actually that's not poor teacher, that is poor student where they're just kind of like, I don't know what I want to learn. Just tell me everything. Um, that's not an effective way to learn. Um, and I think a, a poor teacher would have answered that question. In There are a lot of absolute shit teachers out there, though, yeah. to be fair. And, and it's difficult sometimes, unless you meet the teacher, to understand whether they're shit because they, they aren't very good in the first place or whether they're just, just not good at teaching. Yeah. They might be good at magic and they might be good at what they do, but they're not necessarily a great teacher. Yeah. And that happens with any subject, not even just 
uh, you know, magic. You get some people that are excellent chefs but couldn't teach you to to bake, even if they tried. You know, you only have to look at some of these cookbooks to kind of go, uh, you know, this person really doesn't, you know, they may have written down the ingredients, but they've not actually explained to me how I get that, <laughs> get that to an actual yeah. result. Um, and I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that is the same with any kind of craft, should we say. But with, with witchcraft, I think it's really important that you have that, um, oh, what's the word I want, that rapport between yeah. between student and teacher. And I think that that kind of hits very hard in in uh, the treason arrangement, really, because you've got kind of Van and... And I've forgotten her name. Oh, what's what's the main Grace? Like Grace, you've got that kind of. She wants to learn, but she also doesn't want to be tied to Grace. Like she doesn't particularly like well, Grace, she... does she? At the beginning, yeah. and you just kind of like, but I want to learn, so I'm going to stick with her. <laughs> well, the interesting thing, of course, is that obviously Grace learned from her mother, and she was very. It was very much a case of, oh yes, mother, I'll do what you say. I'm scared, so yeah. I'm not going to go against you. To even to a certain extent, the 21st century, well, technically it's the 90s, I think, when this came out, so yeah, yeah. late 20th century, <laughs> where you've got that kind of modern day teenagers. Well, I'm not doing that. Why are you going to make me do that? No, I'm not doing that. And yeah. you've got literally the same scene where she's like, right, you're going to surrender your powers to me. And whereas you had that scene back in the day when she said, yes, okay, mother, I'll do that. Jumping forwards to yeah. a modern person, modern teenager. 150 going, years later. No, I ain't doing that. I'm doing that. Why, and you can see... F- why do I have to share? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, why, that, why that do I have to share? Why Why isn't my power my power? Like, it, it was very, uh, it was very kind of... Uh, you know second wave feminism going on there wasn't it where she's kind of stuck in this um yeah feminized version of a patriarchy instead of it being a matriarchy <laughs> like you've got this kind of yeah. we are following we're doing the way that the men would do it but we're women like whereas yeah. you've got van going but we're women why do we need to follow those rules Well, it's quite good how they did it, because it was in the middle of a ritual, (laughs) so they've got all the stuff going on around them, and she's like, do this, do that, okay, I'm doing that, and then she said, and now swear your allegiance, and she's like, well, (laughs) stop, no, that's not happening. We didn't talk about that. She's like, well, you can't, we've started, we've started, it's like, no, no, change it, I'm not happy with that. (laughs) Yeah, whereas with the men, you've got, it is a full submission, isn't it? It is beaten into the arrangement. Um, in that yeah, arrangement is very BDS- different there, there's some BDSM stuff going on with that as well <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. you know, that's part of the um, that's part of the, the storyline yeah as opposed um, to actually a method shall we say but, so the sharing of energies because obviously there's a lot of sex magic in this Yeah, and it's predominantly I think energy exchange isn't it yeah sex magic is a lot more than energy exchange but i think that is what most people think of it as most people think of it as two or more people coming together and raising energy whereas you know sex magic is a lot more complicated than that yeah and there isn't isn't there an aspect of it in this though that uh, with ambrose 
it is the um he wasn't supposed to be of this tradition so he's kind of done it he was just a mortal he was just a mortal he's not actually a treason witch and so you've got yeah that's actually where he does where he doesn't actually have the understanding because he wasn't taught properly he just managed to find a book wasn't it isn't it didn't he just manage to find the so, book? So basically, in the storyline, you've got the natural witches, and then you've got the ones that are raised witches, and yeah. then you've got random mundanes, essentially. Yeah. Um, muggles, whatever you want to call them, non-magic folk. And you've got the, the case that uh, the person that's raised in a tradition, obviously, not too dissimilar yeah. from real life, they take on the tones of that tradition, its teachings, philosophies, rules, that sort of stuff. Um, whereas the people that stumble across these trees and books and stuff like that, um, they start as a solitary, solitary. Yeah. Whereas the mundings, what seems to happen in this is that they, witches work against them or they see other people working witchcraft, magic trees and whatever you're calling it. And they then have to try and counteract it. Yeah. The only way to counteract it is to learn it. Yeah. So, the, you know, it's one of those things whereby some people like Van have the gift and a little bit of psychic ability, whereas other people like uh, Toby, Toby, isn't it? Kevin. 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 Which one is. Kevin, that's it. Kevin's the annoying one. Kevin's the annoying Basically one. Basically ends up, ends up being fed on so much that he then starts to realise. How it now works. Ambrose is an in, yeah, Ambrose is an interesting one because Grace's sister, who hates her, basically thinks because he's basically uh being cursed by grace and being left to rot in you know immortally in the in the basement she tracks him down and says look i want to get back in my sister i think the best way of doing that is to teach you some treason so that <laughs> yeah. you can go and beat her yeah and then she takes her father's book the sun book the male magic book yeah and then she starts teaching him so that although he can't break his chains he started to learn so we basically learn over 150 years yeah little bits of magic spells and stuff and then by the end of it he was to a certain extent almost a match for her yeah yeah but without the natural ability or the natural flair shall yeah. we say the creative spark that actually makes whereas he's kind of yeah he's kind of full of hate and and learnt learnt it through kind of rote as opposed to as an art form so i don't think he fully ever understands how treason works he just knows the rules um, yeah. so he, he found and a really good scott cunningham thing... book and thinks he now understands oh, magic no. you know i was waiting for that to come up <laughs> well, he had a teacher because he, he did I what her name was i can't think what her name she was actually teaches him. yeah um but yeah it, it is one of those things that teaching is it's really interesting the dynamics of the teacher and the student in this um and you know going back to him being enslaved in that basement it is essentially a curse isn't yeah it? but i'm not entirely sure which is worse because he's getting his weekly or monthly i don't know however much it is little lessons from grace's sister but yet she's a 150 year old virgin because no one wants her so is there some sort of backlash going on or is it just the fact that she looks like one of our apple head dolls <laughs> <laughs> and no one wants her but I, I think i think she's just the the uh, eternal fag hag myself 
but I, I've already said that to you before. <laughs> like it is very much kind of like that woman. She's never going to be fully satisfied because she only likes gay men. Like it's so. Hmm. all the men she's ever attracted to are going to run off with other men and there's nothing she can do about it. Um, and then obviously she meets the Avatar and she's stuck in this kind of, I, I, I want to meet the one. She wants this fairy tale. Whereas, you know, she comes from a tradition where they kill the, <laughs> they kill, they kill the baby daddies. Yeah. So if they're going to kill the baby daddies, she's never going to really be satisfied. Like, so well, she does fall in love eventually, doesn't she? And then things kind of change. And yeah. She comes round to everyone else's way of thinking, but that's because they were trying to overcome a common foe. Yeah. And they all kind of get in it together, and it all, you know, blends in all of their traditions, all their practices yeah. merge together, and everyone learns a little bit. And there's something to be said about that in real life, with different types of magical practitioners and traditions working together and meeting. And sharing and discussing, yeah, discussing magic or practice. Uh, discussing uh, discussing magical practice in kind of a not in a this is the best way or that's the best way or this is how you know, you know the amount of times well we've only really between us in all the moots that we've been to found one moot that really does that in a true sense. But there's been many moots. There's been many moots. Many moots. Um, in order to find one that actually gets close to that kind of meeting of minds kind of let's just talk about our practice but then there is still that kind of honor bound part isn't there there's the oath situation where people won't talk about individual details um yeah, but being but able when you to get to intermediate level you can just see see through that and you can spy yeah it's just whether ethically you want to spy on another person's magical practices yeah because um, if we have an oath-bound client, we don't necessarily require them to tell us about their tradition so that we can assist them. We can just absorb that information or we have other means of finding out yeah. the details that they're keeping out. Um, so going back to the curse thing and him being chained up in a dungeon, what are the ethics of actually doing that sort of magic where you're cursing your ex, for example? Because the Treason Council don't care. We personally don't care. No. You know, what <laughs> What are your thoughts on personally what what you'd help a client do versus what you would be willing to do for them? Well, with her, it was a case of she um, she didn't want She didn't have the heart to kill him, but she wanted him. She she wanted him to feel as rubbish as she felt so imprisoning him for him to think about it and never be able to uh, rekindle that relationship ever again that kind of that takes some real spite um and you know i that you know there's plenty of power in spite but at the same time yeah. You know, I always try and coach, I went to say patients then, <laughs> clients into, because <laughs> that's a very different dynamic. <laughs> but the, you know, I always kind of coach towards, do you really want that energy around you? Do, would I would never have convinced, I would never have let Grace say, yeah, let's keep him in the basement underneath the house as a constant reminder <laughs> of the fact he's down well, she, there. She... Like she basically she she curses him to be really ugly 
basically really decrepit in that and puts a full length mirror in front of him so that he has to stare at it for essentially what she'd consider to be what's supposed to be an eternity yeah obviously he breaks out of it eventually because there's a loophole and you see that with some of this disney stuff as well i think we talked about it on on hocus pocus yes where, where yeah yeah finding loopholes things like that what about what what about loopholes in curses and stuff like that is it is it something that is programmed into any curse or is it trying to teach you that there's always a way out so are there natural weaknesses in curses or is it a case of someone's just smart enough to find a, a workaround i think uh, i think obviously from a kind of popular culture point of view it's designed there as a as a plot hole for a reason isn't it it's a uh, yeah, it's there so that there can be a resolve and there can be a. I think, I think there is always a way around. There is always a loophole. I don't think he's naturally built to it. I just think that order lies itself that way. So, you know, you're always going to um, you're or there's always going to be a way to build around it, if you're creative enough. Because it's most spell work is going to sit in one current or another, so therefore there is yeah. going to always be an opposing opposition, um, or a or a, a gap in it. You know, I think it's the, you know, if if it was myself, <laughs> um, you know, I would probably try and make you know if you've got that much bile that you are going to curse someone for an alter for an eternity, which is not very me, but the um you know is is that amount of work that's going to come into that that energy that drive that's going to push you is going to make you tick as many boxes as possible to make sure that that person is stuck well and truly um for every lifetime she like you know i, I think it kind of felt like yeah, it, she didn't put a lot of fortification in. It was literally just behind a, an old door. So was it the psychology of her feeling guilty somehow? It's like, well, I'm going to do this, but I know it will get broken eventually. Because there's the whole, whole thing in there where the, the guys get trapped in that mirror, that kind of uh, prison dimension yeah. near the end. They, they trap this thing, and maybe a couple of people accidentally get pulled in as well. But they trap this thing within a mirror. So mirror magic, you know, alternate um, universe system. Through the looking glass kind of situation. In, yeah, you get that in Superman, I think, as well, where they have the, um, the prison that is a different dimension yeah. through a reflective object as well. Um, but yeah, okay, so it's a mirror magic and stuff, because mirror magic, I think, personally, um, it's possibly some of the most dangerous forms of magic. Yeah, because you're then starting to... Di uh, you're having to think at something from a completely new perspective, and I don't... You know, reflections aren't normally as simple as, oh, well, it's opposite world. And I think lots of people mm. think, oh, well, it's just opposite world. And you're like, no, a reflection isn't exactly that. Um, and therefore, yeah. And they, you know, I don't think a lot of people take kind of refraction into <laughs> or actual physics into thought when they when they consider mirror worlds. Um, they tend to focus on the, oh, well, it's a it's a reflection. It's a 
it's a um, it's opposite land, you know. Um, we're going to have opposite day, you know. Up is down and down is up. Like n nothing is <laughs> nothing in this world is fixed in a duality like that. So why would why would the world work that way in a mirror op opposite? Well, I think it's one of the reasons, but again, one of the most powerful things I think that you you can work with is probably water. Yeah. You know, one of the dangerous, the most powerful, actual, physical, tangible things for which to work with often is water, because it is that connection that anything, you know, uh, there's an awful lot that can come through. Yeah something like that that you cannot control necessarily luckily most people have no clue <laughs> what they could do with mirrors and water yeah. um and i don't think we just want no. to go i think all, all we'll put there i think all we'll put there is hashtag universal only true universal element something like that in there and go mm. that's it you do the rest of the research <laughs> So the last couple of things that I think are big component parts is you've got the big magical foe at the end that is essentially someone that's possessed. So it's essentially what God, goddess, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, that does factor in because I think from what I remember it is a spirit or something that encroaches on the, the Dante's Cove kind of universe yeah. world from outside of it and therefore because it's encroaching from outside it's restructuring treason and magical power does not work against it now that is something that is uh you will not find people discuss it um but it is a very 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 serious um topic when it comes to magical practice uh, multiversal theory yeah because you're talking about something that is not subject to the laws that you work on and you can control yeah so so you've got it in supernatural where you've got the the uh what is it the void um the in between encroaches into heaven and not yeah. the angels or anything can stop yeah. it you know and to give a real life example you then start to talk about kind of the fae um, and starting to talk about yeah, that's a great one, is a great physical yeah. so non-popular culture reference would be kind of thinking in terms of the fey so you know far too many they think you know pocket existences or pocket access to a another um another existence that doesn't run on the same timeline doesn't run on the same rules conjoined twins. yeah conjoined twins is a good one <laughs> they're they're kind of close enough they can they touch brush <laughs> and have an, enough similarities that it's easy for things from one to come into the yeah. other maybe not so easy to go from the other to that one but when you're talking about slightly deeper subjects which is just going to go out of two you know we're talking about intermediate to advanced now yeah. um you're talking about something that is completely different that's outside of the all or outside of creation essentially yeah. encroaching onto creation is is a little bit different so let's cut that out <laughs> cut that short and we'll move on to the last bit which is the uh, the drunks because you've got this thing oh um, starflower which is call it the witches call it starflower but the mundanes call it uh yeah. and it's really interesting because it really speaks to the misuse of shamanic practice you've got low-life scumbags 
and traps. Using it to get high. Yeah, using it to get high, and that you've got actual magical practitioners that are using it to enhance their state, their power to have a deeper connection. Yeah. So it's kind of that whole shamanic thing, isn't it? Yeah, so it kind of touches on that. Very much that, yeah, in that kind of classical sense of the lotus eaters kind of trapped in a dovet, you know, it's staying power, it is um, reality warping, um, energy kind of manipulator. DMT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, so it's kind of like, but for the, the in um, Dante, it's kind of, the, those effects don't happen. It allows them to see the past and the future and, and enhance their magical ability, doesn't it? So it doesn't get them high. It allows them to expand their existence, you know, um, their existence yeah. within their mind um, or, or as a powerful ingredient in spells, isn't it? And, and the, the big foe as well is very much against the Starflower because they tries to destroy it all because it knows that that's such a useful tool. In fact, to the witch, it is probably the only sacred thing, the closest thing to a, a yeah. deity or god or goddess, is that it's the only thing that they really hold in, hold in high regard is the Starflower. Yeah, everything else is give or take, isn't it? Like, they don't even particularly care too much about the books. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. the, this... The secrets of the star flower are the kind of the one section that is, um, like I say, sacred. Um, but yeah, you've got it's there's more and more of it kind of happening now, isn't there? Like you're now starting to get more and more of the kind of uh, poison salves and flying ointments are popular, becoming popular again, aren't they? They seem to be popping up on Etsy left, right, and centre, and those sorts of places. Well, I'd say cannabis. I mean, just listen to the the Joe Rogan podcast. You'll <laughs> yes. hear about all sorts of people nowadays that are kind of left wingy, and they are all interested in expanding their minds and stuff like that. The whole new age thing, but they have no clue how to harness their actual power. Yeah, or actually do any, you know, go anywhere specific or control control yeah. where they're going, as opposed to uh, just going somewhere. Escapism. It's. Um, as opposed to proper shamanic walking, you know, actually going yeah. for a um, a journey with a psychedelic. Well, I think we're coming at, you know, almost out of time. We didn't touch on the little kids, the little ghost oh, children. Oh, no, we didn't. That burnt in the they fire. They were well creepy. I can't remember what, what happened, because ghosts aren't really a thing in Dante's Cope. Something happened to make them stick around, and I forget exactly what the storyline is. But luckily, the listeners might be able to watch it, because it's only in the first season, I think, in there. The, yeah. The little ghost children. And the other... Because th- they eventually move past it yeah. and they move on they're like trapped it's why. something to do with the, the magic of it isn't it that they're, they're own they're not ghosts yeah. as ghosts they're more like an in magical imprint of they just happen to be there when something happened um but the one you forgot to ask is um we need we we still can't figure out what treason is like where the word comes from. Yeah, so if anyone can do some research and find out why they've used this term treason to be the energy current, did they make it up what? I don't know. I don't really want to have to ask here TV or the writers or anything like that. <laughs> We'd be interested in your perspectives. Yeah. 
because again, they I don't think they ever use the term magic at all. No, they always refer to it as treason. And there is reference, there's references to, oh, your treason witches, as in, oh, there might be other types of witches. Yeah. Like with Sabrina, you've got the devil worshipping witches, you've got the pagan witches, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite interesting. The fact that maybe it is just one specific energy force that they tap into. Yeah, maybe that is the power of Dante area, like that whatever landscape they're attached to that powers their spells. And there we go. We are now out of time. So goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.